This is the Game Misconduct Podcast with Don LaGreca. And welcome to the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. I am Don LaGreca. First, my apologies. Unfortunately, we were unable to get a Game Misconduct going yesterday. It's a whole big rigmarole. I was trying to get into the uh, stadium to do the Michael K. show, but it took a while for me to be able to get my credential. By the time I got into the studio, it was like quarter to three, and there just wasn't enough time. So we'll interview EJ Raddick at another time, and I didn't want to rush anything. I wanted to be able to get a good one going. So it was only one game last night on the NHL schedule to uh, recap, and that was the Lightning's 3-2 win over uh, the Red Wings. Kucherov continues to just be a star for Tampa, and I think there's a legitimate conversation. What's his place among the star players in the National Hockey League? So I wanted to take this time to really kind of recap the weekend, but first we're going to get started and very, very excited, very happy that our friend, Eddie Olchuk, back to work in St. Louis for the Blues and the Blackhawks on NBC Sportsnet for the rivalry game on Wednesday. So he's gone through his treatment. Uh, it's still an ongoing process with his cancer. But the fact that he is back uh, doing games again, performing after missing the first couple of weeks of the season, I mean, that's the best news you could possibly get. So I wanted to start with that. A bunch of different places to start. Uh Teams that are struggling, uh, teams that maybe you should be a little bit concerned about here early in some way, shape, or form. I mean, we could start with the Rangers. So many expectations around that team. They go out and get Shattenkirk, arguably the biggest free agent that they could possibly land. They re-up with Smith. They re-up with Zabanajad, who is a restricted free agent. And they've lost five of their first six to start the season for the first time since 1980. And that is a certain, certainly an issue with this team. And you get concerned now, would they be making some sort of a change? Now, there's all kinds of talk because Lindy Ruff is an assistant coach that A.V. is coaching for his job day by day. you got Pittsburgh tonight. That's going to be tough. you got the Islanders on Thursday at the Garden. You've got Nashville at the Garden on Saturday. The Rangers are in the midst of their longest homestand of the year, six games. They lost to New Jersey on Sunday in the first of those six games. Ryan McDonough has played with four different defensive partners. They've mishmashed all of the lines with the exception of the Zabanajad line, and they just haven't been able to find the right combination. Their power play's been okay, but they just haven't been able to generate any offense. They've been chasing goals all year long. Their only victory came against Montreal. That is also one of those teams that are off to a very dysfunctional start at 1-3-1. and So the Rangers are there. I'm not sure what you do. You're not making a trade for a top center. If that was the case, they would have done that during the offseason. They just have to find the right combination, but I'm not sure how many more combinations can you possibly work out. At one point, you're going to have to say the guys are going to have to step up. Where's Kreider? Where's Miller? Hayes had his first goal of the year the other night. But they need more than just Sabanajad scoring goals. And this team was relying upon the young players like Kreider, like Miller, like Hayes, like Bushnevich to take the next step. And if they're not going to take the next step, then what is on this roster? that is special enough to believe that they can contend for a Stanley Cup. That's what this organization has to look at. So it's only six games. You can't get crazy. But at some point, some of these younger guys who are no longer really looked upon as young anymore. Kreider's been in this league since 2012. Miller and Hayes been in this league now for four years. It's time for those guys to step up. Bush Nevich is now in his second year. I know his rookie year was somewhat derailed by the back injury, but he's playing on a top line. So... We'll see if it comes into a groove. Sometimes you look at the Giants in football, right? Lose the first five games of the season, look like they have a completely unwinnable game in Denver against the Broncos, and they come up with their best performance of the year and they win. Maybe the fact that Pittsburgh's coming to town 
maybe it will wake this team up and make you feel a little bit better by going out there and beating the defending Stanley Cup champions. But the other thing that you have to file away is, in the last 36 home games dating back to November of last year, the Rangers are 14-18-4 at home. So there's a lot of problems there, something to keep an eye on. San Jose had one and three. Not surprised by their start. I didn't think they were going to be making the playoffs. Edmonton won three and zero. Oh. That's a bit of a surprise, including losing three straight after beating Calgary on opening night. Not getting enough offense. Leon Drysaddle now placed on IR. The thing that concerns me about Edmonton: you got a lot of young kids there, and expectations are very, very high. Unlike the Rangers, who have a lot of veterans that might be able to survive the slings and arrows and criticisms, it'll be interesting how Edmonton handles this. So of the two teams that I'm the most concerned about that I thought were going to have playoff seasons, the Rangers and the Oilers off to very, very slow starts, and you certainly saw that over the weekend, uh, the way the, that Edmonton played and the way that the Rangers played in Columbus and against New Jersey. Now, a surprise to some, but not to me, has been just the outstanding play of the Ottawa Senators and how the Ottawa Senators went out and just crushed it in Western Canada. They're getting tremendous goaltending. They're just getting all-around play. So Ottawa, I think, is off to a terrific start. Vegas continues to surprise. After suffering their first loss of the season against Detroit, they bounce right back and win again. Four of their first five, the best start in the history of the NHL as far as expansion is concerned. New Jersey has been a bit of a shock, winning four of their first five games. And the impressive thing watching New Jersey live for the first time on Saturday is Heeshier on the ice, late, protecting a one-goal lead. He's 18 years old. Got a chance to see Ray Shera on Saturday. I think he's done a terrific job with this team. He's letting the young kids play immature. Now, is it sustainable? Likely not because there's so many young guys on that team. Think of the turnover on the on the Devils roster. They went to the Stanley Cup final in 2012. They've got two players left from that team. So in five years, they completely turned over the team. I thought Kincaid was terrific. Devil fans should be very, very excited. And I got a chance to see Chico. He's back in the fold working Rangers, uh, working Devils radio. I thought that was terrific. And the Los Angeles Kings, also a very pleasant surprise, have yet to lose in regulation 4-0-1. Second best team in the National Hockey League behind Tampa, who is not a surprise. We mentioned about Kucherov. And the biggest thing for Los Angeles right now has been the play of Kopitar. Kopitar hurt ineffective last year when many people believed he was one of the top centers in the league. Now he's playing like a top center in the league, and now Los Angeles looks like it's great. John Stevens has done a great job there uh, with Los Angeles, so the Kings certainly have been a pleasant surprise. So taking a look at uh, the pleasant surprises and the disappointment so far early in the season, and I think that's what you got to look at. Dating back to the games over the weekend, got to watch a lot of hockey on Saturday, and... Philadelphia's 8-2 to win over, over the Capitals just leaves you scratching your head. And Philadelphia off to a very good start of 3-2. and two. Um, Dallas finally gets off the mat with their second victory of the season, slowing down the Avalanche with the 3-1 win. So the Avalanche suffer their second loss of the season. Wild, a, a team to keep an eye on. We mentioned early on that might be a team that's chasing goals a bit. Well, you know what? They got four goals and still lost to the Blue Jackets. Blackhawks continue to roll. Coyotes 0-4-1, not a surprise. A lot of kids playing on that team, and Boston certainly has taken advantage of that. And then we mentioned the wins uh, for the uh, Senators as they just crushed the Edmonton Oilers after crushing the Calgary Flames. Tell you what, the Ottawa Senators have been a pleasant surprise. And give a lot of love to the Islanders, too. They go out west. They beat the the, the, the Sharks. 
in a 3-1 victory. I thought that was good. They came up short against the Los Angeles Kings, although I thought they played pretty well in that game. And I thought that that was a very uh, interesting game. They just came up a goal short. They did everything they could to try to see if they couldn't tie that game late, and they just couldn't get the equalizer. So a loss to the Ducks. So the Islanders dropped a couple out west, but I still thought they played pretty well, losing a one-goal game to the Ducks, a one-goal game to the, King, uh, uh, to the Kings, and beating up on the San Jose Sharks. I thought that that's not the an awful West Coast trip for the Islanders, and I'll get a chance to see them live for the first time on Thursday when I'm calling the game at the Garden against the Rangers. All right, let's hear from you. A lot of people wanting to champ at the bit to talk about the weekend and, and also uh, didn't get a chance to talk uh, yesterday. And, and Sam dives right into the Evans and Oilers. He says, Oilers in trouble, have lost three in a row, and now dry sidle on IR. Three of the next six games against Chicago, Pittsburgh, and Washington. But like the Rangers, you wonder if playing really good teams will bring the best out of this team. But make no mistake, dry sidle has really grown into a superstar on that team. They're going to miss him. And keep an eye on Cam Talbot, too. I like Talbot. I saw him a lot when he was the Ranger backup goaltender. Remember he had that 25-game run when Hank was hurt in that conference final appearance the Rangers made in 2014-2015. And, of course, he parlayed that into the big contract in Edmonton. Keep an eye. He's played a lot of games recently. I'm not really prepared to say he's an elite goaltender, but keep an eye on him. Kyle says, how do you think this talent pool would fare if Peter Laviolette was the current coach of the Rangers team? I'm a big Peter Laviolette fan. And Peter's different than A.V. A.V. got a little snippy before the game against New Jersey, sarcastically saying that he hopes his team can play engaged for 60 minutes with Andre Pavlik as the goaltender. So certainly A.V. does have his moments. Peter Laviolette is a guy, a lot like John Tortorella. He gets in your face. He gets the most out of his players. But unfortunately for Peter, and I like Peter as a coach, that kind of style peters out. That's why even after winning a Stanley Cup, uh, he left Carolina. Even after getting the Islanders to the playoffs in three consecutive years, he left the Islanders. And then, of course, getting the Philadelphia Flyers to the Stanley Cup final left there. So it'll peter out quickly, but he does have, no pun intended, but he does have the ability to turn things around. I'm still an AV fan. And I understand you want to get on the coach, losing five or six for the first time since 1980. But this guy's won six playoff series since he's been here. Stanley Cup final appearance in his first year. Conference final appearance the next year. Went to the second round in year four. I'm a little bit leery about just blaming everything on Elaine Vigneault. But the one thing is, there's two things that kind of hover over A.V. you got to pay attention to. He's got a world-class head coach on his staff in Lindy Ruff, so that's always going to create a lot of conversation. And also the fact that he's been here, this is his fifth year as head coach, we've seen it in the National Hockey League, sometimes the message does get lost. So those are a couple of things to kind of keep an eye on. Chris says, does Hines, meaning uh, the Devils head coach, have a chance at the Jack Adams Trophy if the Devils make the playoffs? Absolutely he does. I think he's done a terrific job. I think the Devils have finally found a coach that they can keep here long term. Heck, the Devils won three Stanley Cups with three different head coaches. So whether it's Lou Lamorello or Ray Shiro, it's been a very transient position for New Jersey. But let's pump the brakes on making the playoffs just yet. We're only five games into the season. They got up to a quick start last year. But the one thing I like, they're winning on the road, which is something they didn't do last year. And these kids are really producing. Got to see Heashier. He's been good. Uh, Brat has been very good. Um, 
They've got some guys um, that really have come together there as a young team. Got to see Butcher for the first time. I'm pretty happy with his play. Uh, Zaka coming together in his second year. So there's a lot of very good um, young players on that Devils team. And Corey Schneider's having a better year, quite frankly, than he had last year. And I thought the Kincaid was very good uh, on Saturday. Jeff says, what are some good friendly wagers you have to come across in the past for Islanders-Rangers games? Nothing friendly when the Rangers and Islanders get together. So I, I don't have any friendly wager uh, in mind uh, that I've heard, but a lot of hatred. And, and to get the Islanders back into the fold again, that is, that is a fun rivalry. It's been dead for such a long period of time, but nothing friendly when those two guys get together. Uh, let's go to uh, Sean Smith, who says, when can I start panicking about the Rangers? All right, I'll give you a date. After the game Saturday. Like I said, Penguins tonight, Thursday the Islanders come. Now the Islanders are coming off a Western trip. Maybe you'll be able to sneak on them, but that's a pretty decent team. And then Nashville that's kind of coming to their own for an afternoon game on Saturday. If you're sitting there at 1-8 to start the season, full-blown panic. And if you lose tonight to Pittsburgh, hey, Pittsburgh's really good. You lose to the Islanders, a rivalry. Maybe I'll lessen that. Maybe it won't happen Saturday after the game. Maybe it could actually happen Thursday after the game. Uh, Mike Silver says he's got the question, has A.V. built up enough equity to get a pass this season if the Rangers continue to struggle and miss the playoffs? Don't look at it as he gets a pass. It's the Rangers see the windows beginning to close, right? Hank's going to be 36 come playoffs. You've got Nash, who's older. You've got... Stall that's older. McDonough is getting older. I mean, this is a win-now team. So I don't think it's, well, let's give A.V. a pass. We'll try again next year. If they believe that there is a coach, whether it's Lindy Ruff or somebody else, that they're going to bring in or that they can salvage the season, then I think they would do it. So I don't look at the Rangers saying, oh, well, just don't worry about this year. He's built up enough equity. I think the equity comes from the fact that they believe he's the one that can turn it around. And if they don't believe he's the one that can turn it around, then they'll make the move. So the equity won't matter at that point. Kevin says, will Columbus' inability to win uh, faceoffs in a game, 34% in the last game, ultimately hurt them? I've seen faceoffs kill you. I think faceoffs in general are overrated. And I'll give you an example. You could have a game in which your team wins 34% of the faceoffs, but they win over 50% in the defensive zone in key situations. You can live with that. If you're losing faceoffs down a goal, tied, late in the third period, and there's a defensive zone faceoff, and you lose that faceoff, that's going to be a killer. So a faceoff in the neutral zone, a faceoff in your offensive zone, not that big of a deal. So that when you have the overall percentages, it's going to count wherever the faceoff is on the ice. I got to see Columbus firsthand on Friday. I thought they won the faceoffs that they needed to win, especially in the defensive zone. Uh, they should have enough centers there to be able to get the, done, the job done. I've always loved Doobie as a, as a, as a center. I, I wouldn't be overly concerned about it at this particular point. Uh, Kevin says, so far, which team besides locals have disappointed you to start the season. Well, as I mentioned, Edmonton has to be looked upon as a disappointment. I thought that that was a team that was going to compete for a Stanley Cup, and they still can. It's still very early in the season, but I'm a little surprised that after winning against Calgary on opening night that they've lost three in a row and just got thrown around by the Ottawa Senators. That was a little bit of a surprise. Uh, as far as other teams struggling that surprised me, I had Buffalo as a playoff team. They're 1-4-1. and one. Um, I'm a little surprised 
a uh, little disappointed with that. Otherwise, I can't get crazy. Carolina has a playoff team, 1-1-1. One, one, one. They've only played three games. Can't get crazy. They've got three points. Uh, Montreal does not surprise me. I had them missing the playoffs. But of the teams that I thought were going to make the playoffs that have been disappointing so far here early, Edmonton and Buffalo, those are the two teams that have really surprised me on how much they've struggled here early in the season. Tom, are the Senators the best all-around team in the NHL right now? Have to say that they, they're in that conversation. I think Tampa is better. Uh, I think that Tampa's a little bit of a better all-around team. I think Los Angeles now with the way Kopitar is playing, so that means, that gives them forwards. They've got Dowdy on the blue line, who's tremendous. Muzzin's very good as well. Martinez is good. You've got great goaltending there. I think Los Angeles, Chicago, complete team. So Ottawa's right there in the conversation as a complete team, but I can't honestly say right now that they are the most complete team in the National Hockey League. Ted says, Don, I heard you say that a lot of people have DeBoer of the Sharks being the first coach fired this year. Your thoughts? Only because of the fact that you lose in the Stanley Cup final, you make the playoffs and lose in the first round, and if this ends up being a lost season... I'm just telling you, I wouldn't say he's the first. I've seen lists where DeBoer is looked upon as first. I think AV's probably in that conversation. Um, when you look at the teams that have gotten off to slow starts, Phil Housley's not going anywhere. He's a brand-new coach. Tockett's not going anywhere with Arizona. He's a brand-new coach. Uh, Vancouver just uh, brought in a, a new head coach as well in Travis Green. So of the teams that have struggled or the teams that are looked upon as non-playoff teams, you got a new coach, you're not going to fire him. So DeBoer just becomes the guy, right? It's a team that's third, that, that's got two points. They're 1-3-0. He's been there for a while. So I like Pete DeBoer. I liked him in New Jersey. I like him in San Jose. But coaches do unfortunately lose their job, and he might end up being a candidate uh, to do so. Uh, Nelson Johnson says, if Rangers are on bottom, is A.V. fired by Christmas and replaced by Ruff or wait till offseason? Uh, Montgomery, Wah, Tippett, coaches that are certainly available. I don't see Patrick Wah coming here. Dave Tippett, I think, is a tremendous head coach uh, that I think will eventually get a job. I just have the feeling that because of, his, because of the closeness to the organization, if A.V. is replaced, Lindy Ruff certainly would probably be the guy that would get that gig. Um, Christmas, that's always a time because of the break where teams usually do make a change. I still want to kind of wait on this just a little bit, but this is a big week. Three games at home against three really good teams, or at least you know two playoff teams from last year. Pittsburgh won the Cup. Nashville went to the Cup Final. I think we'll learn a lot at the end of this week. Howie says Rangers did poor job replacing Stepan Protection. It shouldn't be a surprise they can't score, spent too much money on D. Well, here comes Dowie. Who were they going to get at center that was going to be better than what they already had? Um, Stepan is a guy, yeah, they lost some, I think, hockey IQ by letting him go, but he wasn't scoring a ton of goals. He wasn't producing that much offensively. Remember how the Ranger fans always complained that he wasn't doing enough offensively. You could have signed Joe Thornton. He's 38 years old, though. That could have been the direction that you went into. Uh, James Neal was going to cost them way too much money uh, and way too much uh, to bring him in. Uh, that's at least the conversation that I had heard. Um, Shattenkirk was available. Everybody wanted Shattenkirk. You say they spent too much money on D. I look more on should they have brought Smith back. Smith was a pleasant surprise for the Rangers last year, but a very good run organization in Detroit let him go. 
So I think they spent the maybe maybe too much on Smith. But you had to bring Shattenkirk in, and he's been productive on the power play, which is an area where they struggled. I just don't know where they could have gotten the center. It was a tough spot for them. Clearly, that is not an area in which teams are willing to give up top centers. Maybe you trade for Duchesne. Maybe that is a direction they decide to go into. That's still something that can happen, Howie. But to say they spend too much money on D, I look at it more at Smith than Shattenkirk, and I'm not really sure if any of the centers that were available would have solved their problems, helped their cap, or depleting some of the younger guys that they have there. Uh, maybe Heedle can be an answer down the road. We'll have to wait and see. Anderson, who they drafted, could be an, uh, an answer down the road. But for right now, if I had to spend money on a center, I probably would have signed Joe Thornton. For where the Rangers are right now in the stage of their development, where they're a win-now team, I understand that Thornton had two reconstructed knees, right? I mean, he had that, that MCL and ACL on the one knee, but I thought he had. I thought he would be a really good stabilizing veteran presence to bring in here, but San Jose brought him back. So, obviously, San Jose knew what they had, and they didn't want to let him go. So, again, apologies for yesterday. So, we'll try to catch back up with EJ at another time. I have a feeling that tomorrow's game misconduct could be pretty big because this is a huge, huge game for the New York Rangers, and the Ranger fans are going to flip out. And again, if people feel that we get too much Ranger talk here on that, I get it, but I'm answering the questions that people send me. So if you have got questions about your team, at Don LaGreca, hashtag game misconduct. Rangers and Penguins tonight at 7. Flyers and Panthers. I'm interested in that one after the Flyers put up an 8 spot against Washington. Maple Leafs Capitals, a rematch of the first round from last year. That should be a fun one. Devils and Lightning, that's on NBC Sportsnet in New Jersey. Good test again for the Devils, who keep passing these tests, right? I mean, they lost to Washington. They're only lost, but they passed the test against Toronto. Beat a Ranger team they really could not handle last year. So Tampa will be some heavy lifting as well. Canucks and the Senators. That should be fun as the Senators 3-0-2. Avalanche trying to get back to their winning ways. Tough spot. They'll be in Nashville. Jets, nice bounce back to their season. They've won a couple in a row. They're home against the Blue Jackets. That should be fun as well. Coyotes and Stars in Dallas. Oilers got to get things going. They're home against the Hurricanes, so we'll see if they can do that. Golden Knights, winners of four of their first five, home for the Buffalo Sabres. Tough spot for the Sabres, right? New coach struggling, and they got to go out on the West Coast where they're just getting smacked around at 1-4-1 and to start the season. And same goes for Montreal. Off to a sluggish start. Nay, they got to go out west, and they'll be in San Jose to take on the Sharks. And very interested to see what direction the Montreal goes. Montreal's kind of Rangers north, right? Can't score goals, too reliant on their goaltender. So a lot of great games tonight. So we'll have another game as conduct tomorrow. Recap all the games. Want to hear from you at Don LaGreca. Hashtag game as conduct. This was the Tuesday edition of Game Misconduct. Thanks for listening to the Game Misconduct Podcast. Looking for more Don LaGreca? Hear him on the Michael K. Show weekdays from 3 to 7 p.m. on 98.7 ESPN in New York and worldwide on the ESPN app. And don't forget to subscribe to the Game Misconduct Podcast on the ESPN app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.